Hello, hello, hello. I'm your host, Nikki C, and welcome to another episode of Life Got in the Way, a podcast that is dedicated to learning, growing, and achieving our lifelong goals. And today I have some wonderful special guests, um, Carolyn Holland and JC Moore. They are two writers, and you know how I love writing. So I thought it would be a great time to catch up with two amazing writers and just talk about writing and everything in between. And of course, life and life getting in the way. So JC and Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Right. So usually at the beginning of the podcast, I like to ask guests who haven't been on the show to kind of tell us a little bit about themselves. So um, if you would just mind just giving us a little background about you and, and maybe you as a writer or whatever you want to share, uh, the the, I would say the floor is yours. <laughs> the mic. Thank you so much. I appreciate it and I love you both. Yes, my name is J.C. Moore and I am a writer. I call myself a literary activist. And that handle was given to me by a dear friend who is also a writer. She said, the work you're doing is actually activism. And she gave me the handle literary activist and I love it. I tend to write fiction. I do a little bit of nonfiction, but fiction that deals with bigger issues, homelessness, race relations, things of that nature. And I try to push forth a narrative that we don't see often enough. For example, my first novel, Don't Fall Asleep, which is under rewrite, hasn't been published, but it's my first novel, dealt with homelessness and how governments handle homelessness. And so it imagined what if government decided to annihilate the homeless? It sounds far-fetched, or it sounded far-fetched when I began to write it, but these days it's sounding less and less far-fetched. Mm -hmm. So that's the type of work I do basically ethnic fiction. I've also done some children's books and screenplays. So that's me in a very small nutshell. <laughs> All right. I love that. I love that title. Okay. All right. So Carolyn, tell us a little bit about you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to share my work and my thoughts with you and JC, who I adore. I am a spirit in training. I'm a spirit encased in flesh trying to do as much as I can do to help others while I'm here so that I can stand with my ancestors later. I firmly believe that the spirit world is real. It's evidenced in every whispered warning that saves us from calamity and from every dream that gives us clarity. And with that basis in mind, I created an alter world of angels and demons and all things paranormal, and they walk with us. The inspiration came from the loss of loved ones. We all have our own way of mourning and our own way of healing. The words heal me. And I'm hoping that my words inspire and heal others. The first book was entitled The Bliss of the Grave. It was a 900-page treatise. 
we eventually broke it down to three books, Behind the Dark Veil, The Bliss of the Grave, and Keeper of the Souls. Keeper of the Souls is a work in progress. I hope to get it out probably by February of 2024. But I have so many books in me, and I can't wait to, to share them with the world. Thank you for this platform, Nikita. Yes. Ah, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on this platform. <laughs> um, so like like the title of this uh podcast is Life Got in the Way. Um, oftentimes um when we have pursuits or we have passions that we want to pursue, sometimes life does get in the way. So can you share a moment in your life when you felt life got in the way of you pursuing your dreams as a writer? I'll go first. I hate to say it's something getting in the way because it's my family and life is lifing, which is what my <laughs> goddaughter always tells me. Life is lifing. But when I wrote Don't Fall Asleep, which I mentioned earlier and um, someone was looking at it at Warner my dad got sick with Alzheimer's so all of the feedback I received I wasn't able to move on it and by the time I moved on it that particular editor had moved on and I think that it's not so much that something is in the way but it's just things that you have to deal with and you have to prioritize. Some point or another, it will get out there. That particular book will get out there. And for whatever reason, to Carolyn's point, nothing happens in the abstract. So if it didn't get out there then, Listen and I wasn't it. able to use that particular contact to move the project forward, then it wasn't meant to, period. That's right. And what was meant to happen was for me to deal with my father's situation and grow from that and learn from that, that I can then use in a wider platform. Yeah, that's what I would say. I love the title of this podcast. I love the the idea of life getting in the way. I've had I've got a different take on it, though. I don't think life gets in the way. I think life teaches us and molds us and makes us better and bigger. When I think of everything that I've gone through, I can't help but know that I'm blessed and that everything that I want in life that is meant for me will come to me. We often ask for things that are not meant for us. And sometimes we ask for things that are meant for us, but we don't ask at the right time because we're not ready to receive them. When life, when I thought life got in the way, it was February of this year. I was working on Keeper of the Souls and I was going over the same paragraph again and again and again. I could not get to the next page. And then I scrap it all and start fresh. A book that I was supposed to have published maybe a year and a half ago. I could not think. I knew something was wrong, but I told myself this will pass. It can't be what I think it is. You see, my mother and my grandmother suffer from Alzheimer's. 
And the specter was in the back of my mind. Maybe I, it'll be a trio. Maybe I'll be the third in the family to be cursed with this horrible disease. And the idea of not being able to get my work out was like a death sentence to me. Because this is my calling. When I picked up a pen at work one day and tried to take down a message and couldn't write the words, I knew that I needed help. Long story short, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in February of this year. <laughs> what could I say? I could have said to myself, well, the writing's over. I can't type. I can't write. I can barely think. Or I could fight. I'm a fighter. I come from a line of powerful spirits. I'm still writing, and I'm writing better than I ever had. Slower, I must admit, but the words are coming, and they're coming clear. Life can try to get in the way, but that's what free will is about. We could lay down and let it, or we could stand up and fight, and I'm a fighter. I love that. I love that. And I like to think that that you all both don't, in a, in your own ways, don't see it as it getting in the way. Because like you said, JC, you know, it's family or like, life. In. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's life. In, right. So it can it can. So we have hurdles that may maybe deter us a little bit, but maybe it just puts certain things on pause. So and we look at that instead of it looking at it as a, a negative, you know, it's not necessarily negative. It can be something that can we can switch and turn it into something else and so how does now that you have had these uh different um uh events in your lives or situations in your lives that may have um altered um maybe your original plans how does your writing process evolve when you encounter unexpected setbacks Well, one of the things that the editor that was looking at that same book that I was talking about said was that the characters were a little flat and just different little pacing issues that I agreed. But how to make the character 3D is the, is the question. How do you put the emotion and the feeling in them? Well, part of the problem as a younger writer was you hadn't really gone through anything. I mean, mm -hmm. You went through your little marriage, you went through your little divorce, but the range of emotions um, were, were not that deep. But as Carolyn alluded to, the, the disease of Alzheimer's, not just the family member getting the Alzheimer's or any disease, but the fear, because the way they talk about Alzheimer's is as if it's hereditary, right? I don't know if that's true or not. Not sure exactly what it is, right? Know what they say it is. I'm not sure that I agree with what it is. But nevertheless, once someone says something, whether it's true or not, it has a space in your head. Right. And so there's always something in the back of your mind that's gnawing at you, as Carolyn said. Hey, when anything happens, is, is that is this happening yeah. to me, right? Right. So I think not having enough experiences, seeing, helping a loved one through that disease, you know, having loved ones who are born with autism, you know, going through the death of a, of a niece who's young, 
uh, murder of a brother-in-law, you know, and, and various things with my mother and my nephew, all these other things, just bam, bam, you're in a fight. Life is a fight. And sometimes you get your behind whipped. Mm. Doesn't mean you, you lose, but you don't come out of it unscathed. So whenever you're in a situation, I think you take that emotional intelligence, huh? Oh, yeah. Using <laughs> that phrase. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That you're given. And now you can make those flat characters 3D. Yeah. You put it in there. When you, when you, you know, if you have a, a child in your family that's abducted, now you know what it's like mm-hmm. to come home from, from farming or fishing and we're in Mother Africa and your children are gone. Your husband is gone. You know what that's like to not know and dare not think the worst. That's how I think I use the experiences. I like that expression, JC, writing in 3D. Mm-hmm, definitely. I like it a lot. That I, I've used it in the past. That's the way I want my characters to appear. I want people to read my work and see it, smell it, taste it, and feel it. I want them to feel every emotion that the character feels. And in order to make that real, you've got to feel it. So these stories that we create, they're fictional. But there's a lot of us that we put in every single character. The pain, the fear, the worry, the despair, the joy, the passion. And you have to live a little bit in order to put that down. A lot of the things that have happened in life that I used to think was my good luck. <laughs> Boy, I'm so glad that I got away with that, I'd say. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Pat myself on the back was nothing but the spirit. With nothing but my ancestors moving me out of the way just in time. Making sure that I was at the right place at the right time. And oftentimes when bad things had to happen, and I do believe they did, they mitigated the pain. So that the punch wasn't that devastating. It takes living to realize we are very small. But God sees us in spite of who we are, in spite of the things we do, in spite of the things that we say. To me, everything goes back to spirit. When I write, when I get a good page in, I thank the ancestors for giving it to me. Because it's because of those griots that were born before me, those writers, they pour into me. Have you ever (laughs) read? written something and go back a week or two later and say, damn, I didn't write that. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I didn't. That's magic. That's what I call magic. That sweet spot when you read it and you're out of it, but you know you pour it into it. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I love it. I'm, and, and, and that kind of goes into my next question when I was just just that idea that I love how you guys talked about just going through the emotions and going and experiencing life. And I think that is so important and understanding the nuances of how 
everybody is connected or how we how we I can't even get the words. It's just the connectivity. Like, I love it. I love it. It says the connectedness. And then like you said, being able to experience certain things. Yes, it was painful that you experienced it, but you experienced it in a way to be able to, I understand what that feels like. So now I'm going to write so that others can also understand and put themselves in someone else's shoes to, to, to experience it and, and know it. And that's so powerful in writing. And and like you said, Carolyn, our ancestors, uh, it, there, there's a lot of times when I've written something and I'm like, I, I don't know where that came from. because mm-hmm. that, that wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> so th- <laughs> along that line, can you guys share any personal experiences or stories that have inspired or just motivated you as a writer in general? Well, I just adored L.A. Banks. She came out during a time when black writers didn't write paranormal stuff, maybe Tanana Jew, you know. And there was a few few queens, but they didn't write the type of stuff that she wrote. I found her by accident one day, and I read everything that she wrote. And I said to myself, one day, I'm going to go to one of her book signings, or I'm going to find out where she's going to be. And I, she was right. She lived in Philadelphia. I'm going to meet her and I'm going to thank her for inspiring me to write. And then now she's an ancestor. Mm. So I lift her up when I lift up my family. She gave me a gift. She gave me an imagination. She gave me the possibilities because the things that I write, most people are afraid to write. Yes, I would be terrified to write. They don't want to say what I say. Mm Mm-hmm. They want to play it safe. And sometimes I'm scared too. My boss wrote my <laughs> read my book. Oh, wow. And ever since he read my book, he's, he, I'm not going to say that he doesn't like me, but he's treated me differently. Mm-hmm. He was so excited. He said, Carolyn, I got your book on Amazon. I said, uh oh. <laughs> White people don't fare very well with my books. Mm-hmm. I say what we say when we're in private. But we don't want anybody to think that we're racist. I say it. And I shove it down the reader's throat. Because it's real. It's what we really do. We're no better than our white counterparts. But we have a basis for the things that we say. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, just speaking about racism, you know, as some, some folks say that we can't be racist because racism requires a power to oppress. So Mm -hmm. we, we, and towards the oppressors, it's the attitude any oppressed person would have against their oppressors. Mm -hmm. Why the oppressors feel the way they do about the people that they oppress is, is some other psychological problem. You know, so I think that what you've written and what you write, the reason why folks love it is because you're able to meet out that justice that exactly. we weren't able to meet out. For me, I liked Walter Mosley because he did the devil in the blue dress and mm-hmm. Black Betty and all those Walter Mosley, not Walter Mosley, easy Rawlings mysteries that I loved. 
And so murder, violence, a little bit of mayhem, but he put it together in a clever way that you didn't find a lot of. I think Donald Goins maybe did some of that. Yes, they were But he's always dealt with mm -hmm. drugs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that for me, I like Walter because I do like murder mysteries and detective stories. And I think he did it well and gave easy dignity. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess we're both bibliophiles. I, I can't imagine a writer who doesn't like to read. Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine said, I wrote a book. I wrote a book and I want you to read it. I said, okay, well, didn't you tell me you don't like to read? She said, I don't like to read, but I want you to read my book. I said, I can't read your book. Any writer who doesn't read is not worth his salt. Mm. I didn't say that to her because I didn't want to hurt her. Mm -hmm. But I, I can't read something for someone who doesn't read themselves. You got to love to read. You got to love the words. I love words. I just, I think words are beautiful. Yeah. I get dictionary.com words every single day and I keep them in a file on my computer under beautiful words that I intend to use during the week. I like that idea. Yes. So when um, yeah. the beta readers first read the, the manuscript for Behind the Dark Field, they said, I needed a dictionary to read this book. I said, well, I hope I educated you. And I hope the story was impelling enough for you to learn what the word meant and, and carry on. Or that the word use, the usage of the word explains the definition. I hope that was the case. But I love words. I love words too. And, and, and I love that you, you all both have uh, influences. Um, I think of my, my own personal writing. I always admired like uh Mildred e. Taylor and uh, Toni Morrison I love Mildred e. Taylor because she was so great at writing historical fiction as if she's just telling stories from you know you, you know you have the great uncle that was just a good storyteller and and I think that was one of her inspirations you said she used to get stories from um people like her uncles and aunts and stuff like that and she turned those stories into a lot of of her fiction and and just I was always fascinated as as a young person reading about a different time and and seeing the parallels of present day and and the past and how the past you know has influenced present day etc so I definitely understand and get that whole that whole idea of, of reading and reading is so important to just growth so um, and when you read, you also kind of get a, a, a sense of the um, the landscape overall. So, like when you guys are doing your writing, how has like your cultural background and your history kind of influenced your own writing styles and your and themes that are prevalent within your work? Well, I come from a. My father was from Bermuda. My mom was from South Carolina and North Carolina. I was raised hearing the stories of people putting roots on people. And, you know, 
And I get scared. I would be that little child that say, Lord, stop talking in front of her. She's going to scream the house down, you know, tonight. And it would be the case. I'd see people. I'd be scared. And uh, <laughs> I would listen to those stories, those folklore stories. And I remember once my mom, she was maybe in her 40s, maybe her late 40s, early 50s. She had a goiter, a, a growth on her throat. She finally went to the doctors and the doctor said, Mrs. Evelyn, you really do need to get this removed sooner than later. She, I, I want to get you in the hospital. She said, okay, how about you get me in in two weeks? He said, we need to get this out now. She said, give me two weeks. I remember my sister and my mother going down south to South Carolina, this guy named Doc. I didn't know that it was a title until much later. Well, my mom came back two weeks later, the goiter was gone. The doctors didn't know what she did or how she did it, but it was gone and there was no trace of it. That's the type of stuff that I was born, I was fed when I was a child, okay? The magic, the roots, the hoodoo, the old-fashioned African Negro medicinals that we used okay the prayers okay that's what influences my writing so you're going to see a lot of that old folklore creeping into my writing is it's inevitable i just take it on steroids <laughs> i love it i love it i had not too much of a different upbringing we were in a Trinidadian household, both sides, mother and father. And like Carolyn says, they, they didn't talk so much about Obia, but they would say, we don't believe in Obia, but just because we don't believe in it doesn't mean it can't hurt you. That's that right. Was how they, <laughs> that was how they said it. So it's kind of a mixed message there. But I think what influences me most about my upbringing was the fact that whether you're formally educated or not, education was the key. Now, notice what I said, whether it's formal or informal. So going to university, that's great, but that doesn't mean anything if you don't have other types of education, if you don't know how to do something. My exactly. mother, for example, would say a PhD, which daddy had, meant piled high and deep. That was her <laughs> thing, right? I like so, that. <laughs> so she was educated as well, but what she was saying wasn't to, um, to downplay achievements, but to say, don't, don't get twisted up with that. Don't think that that's everything. Don't because that's what people yes or, or or not just that but it's an elitism that that the caucasians put right you if you've done these things then you are above other people and that's not what that exactly. means mm -hmm. it only means that you it means exactly what it means that you went to a particular school or schools you passed particular tests and you were given this piece of paper. That's all it means. Because mm -hmm. 
before they had that, people were still inventing things. People were still knowing things. People were still doing things in a much better way than they're doing now. So education is important, but true education and not just paper. And I think that that's important to know so that you can educate yourself as a writer. I didn't get a degree in writing, you know, but you could educate yourself in anything and find expertise in it. I think everybody's got a story to tell. If you live and you breathe, you've got a story to tell, but not everybody can do it. I think that we are blessed and exactly. we're special. We're special because we were chosen for this vocation. Hmm. Yeah, it is definitely a, a... I agree. It is definitely not something that everyone can do. And I think that there, there takes a certain level of insight, it, it, especially when you're writing like fiction, just mm -hmm. a, a certain level of having to be able to, to put yourself in another world to build another world outside of where you are that's a that's a skill and not everyone has it and like you said it doesn't that knowledge your, your knowledge never stops it doesn't mean that you have to have it formally informally not just picking up you know how to write but also reading reading that's 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 feeding the soul that and looking at different writing styles and 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 learning the history and incorporating so it's just like it's just such an amazing thing. Like you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to have a rocket scientist in your story. <laughs> you know, That's you right. just have to, you know, be able to do the research and and, and write a story about a rocket scientist, and and then, then it works. So I, I, that's the that's the aspect of writing that I just love, just to be able to just lose yourself in another world, and to really push yourself to to just think outside of your normal thought process because it's like color said, outside of the lines right. that's what i call it i like yes. the color way outside of the lines yes. it's abstract <laughs> <laughs> me too i was a kid when i was a kid i used to write a lot of stories that had nothing to do with my life and it always got me in trouble especially when my mom would find stuff she was like is there is everything okay you know i just like to write just stuff that has nothing to do with me, but I love it. Um, it just it's just it's just kind of a thing. Now, I know a lot of people have writing can be um how do you say it's it's hard sometimes because we it's have an isolating situation. You gotta be so alone to do it. At least I do. I do too, and it's so hard because it's like sometimes you have to share space with with people and you you just need that just complete aloneness and, mm -hmm. and it can be um hard because you're you're alone in your head and then you have to be kind of sometimes just alone and isolated and I think it's just so hard to when you have to do other things you have other work obligations because you know no one everybody can't be the starving artist <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> we have to have other um means of don't quit your job Basically, don't quit the day job. So mm -hmm. speaking of not quitting the day job, how how is writers, how do you guys um, who have, you know, just jobs outside of your personal writing projects, how do you balance your writing with other commitments and responsibilities? Because I know sometimes that we have uh, people who listen who 
may be struggle with that. So how how do you do it in your? I have more clarity early in the morning, mm. five o'clock in the morning. That's when I my brain is like fired up. The neurons are just snapping. I get up. I write till seven, sometimes seven thirty, and then I start my day. I work from home most of the time. I go in maybe once a week, you know, sometimes not at all. I will uh, write and sometimes I get so wrapped up. That's, oh my God, I haven't taken a shower. And it's like, you know, quarter till I got to jump in the shower real quick and then get online. Thank God they don't see me <laughs> and, and work. But it's a blessing, even in the diagnosis. Because if it were not for the diagnosis, I would not be able to have this space. Everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I get up and I use it. I work from home so I can take care of my obligations and get my writing in. And if I want to work during lunchtime, I can. Five o'clock, I log off and I'll step away from the computer for an hour. And then I'm right back on it. But I don't do very well in the evenings. I guess I'm tired. I don't know. But that's my that's my routine. For me, I'm not a disciplined writer. I'll write in my head a lot, mm-hmm. and I have to understand when I come up against blocks. I've got to work it out first in my head. What I've done is create spaces for other writers to come and write, even though it's. It's an individual occupation because we're not doing television scripts. The individual occupation, that commitment, I will keep. I will open the room on Mondays. I will open the room Wednesday nights. I will do those things. And so for that time, I will write. When I'm not doing that for me to write I have to be ready to write and things have to be right for me to write so I'm not doing what Carolyn's doing Carolyn's a very professional writer that's why she's got all her books out mm. I am still working on that in the aftermath of, of my mother's passing there are a lot of little things as everyone knows you have to take care of so I'm hoping that 2024 I'll be able to follow Carolyn's model and write every day, regardless. Yeah. I love it. I adore the fact that you open up your heart and your time for us. Yes. Yes. I'm so thankful that I got a chance to meet you. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that our paths cross in this life. You are a blessing. Oh, thank you. Likewise, you are the queen, baby. <laughs> queen. I I love it. Queen mother. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is it's I I'm a I'm a little bit of both of you. Like I'm with you um Carolyn when you talk about getting up early and mm-hmm. that's when it sometimes mine is too early cuz I'm still trying to navigate this this life west coast life because <laughs> I think I'm still on east coast time. <laughs> so I'm like 2 in the morning. I'm like why am I <laughs> Oh, but that's when you're cracking. If you have you ever been laying in the bed and you say, Oh my God, I gotta get up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I come in my little office and I fire up my old computer, my little dog be barking, What the hell is she doing now? You know, 
I would get in maybe a half an hour and he start barking. He's in heaven now, but Aww. now I have total complete quiet. I love it. That's when the best work comes, when it's spontaneous, when you get up out of the bed in the middle of the night and get it down. You might be tired for your other important obligations, but you got those words down. Yeah. I have to get it down while I think of it, because if I don't, I'm going to lose it. Mm-hmm. I, I sleep with an iPad and my phones. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wake up. I say, okay, <laughs> I'll. I'll dictate a sentence and that'll trigger the memory so I'll know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I I I um I don't sleep with a iPad, but that might be You sleep oh. with a husband. There's no space for the iPad for you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> if I had a husband, I wouldn't sleep with the iPad and the phone. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's like, Carolyn is a trip. Carolyn is. I love you, so Carolyn. Let's keep it gully. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But I also I, I kind of uh, agree with you too, JC, because I, I like discipline. So I'm so glad to to be a part of um, you know, a writing group where I can have moments to do like the the sprints and those types of things, you know, because it forces me to remember to write and being around other writers reminds me constantly that I need to write because, you know, I always feel like I'm on an assignment and, and maybe I'm waking up at two in the morning, that spiritual hour and it's like, you know, just being reminded that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So <laughs> So I, I always appreciate being surrounded by other writers who kind of understand the nuances of we're not always motivated, we're not always disciplined, but maybe we learn from each other and that encourages and inspires us to continue to to push forward. So I'm I'm thankful for both of you and for even just having the opportunity to connect Thank with you because you. you definitely keep me inspired and encouraged and remind me that I really have to get it out there and like like I think Carolyn said one time you know it's not gonna benefit anybody just sitting on your computer (laughs) gotta get those words out gotta get those words out well the one thing about coming together as a group is sometimes how we see our work and how someone else sees our work Mm -hmm. is different Mm -hmm. so you might think well it's not good or it's not ready or any other type of of thought and here's someone who's not a family member not a friend in in the in the sense of the word of someone you see all the time saying wow that is good Mm -hmm. you need to x y and z and it's like really you think so and i think that that inspiration even when it's not directed at you just hearing that, just just that kind of love and support is so important. Conversely, you do have to be careful who you read your work to and who you let in because people can tell you that your work isn't good or give you feedback that tries to push you back into the Eurocentric model of storytelling mm-hmm. and throw water on your fire. Yeah. So on both sides, know who you are sharing with. 
I say be humble, but be true to yourself. Somebody could tell me, well, you know, maybe you should do this, that, and the other. Sometimes I listen, and sometimes I know the direction that I'm going in is the direction I should be going in, and nobody's going to make me change. So be humble, but when you know you got something good, don't let anybody steer you away from it. Mm -hmm. This is your story. You tell it your way. Mm -hmm. But I think, too, Carolyn, you are seasoned. I think well, we have folks who are not seasoned and people who they perceive to be seasoned come at them wrong, whether mm -hmm. they're publishers or, or agents or whomever. It becomes, you know, more yeah. difficult to Scourge. stand your ground, you know, yeah. which is one of the reasons why I tend to not look for outside publishers or agents. I, I haven't even tried. I, I, my That's dream has been if someone wants to entertain a contract with me, they'll come to me. I'm not going to solicit them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write. I'm going to put it out there. Somebody says, submit it and forget it. <laughs> I'm the perfect candidate for that. I submitted it and whatever comes as a result of the, the book, it's what I'm supposed to have. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think also I just came from a book launch of Kendra Norman. She just put out her new book. She's written several books. My Grace is Sufficient is this latest one. It's book four in a particular series. And she said, hey, I write strong male black characters. Mm -hmm. I'm writing what, I'm, what I want to see. I'm writing what I've lived. And so when we, when we and she self-published, I think, I think she owns the publishing house that she's using. But she's also published, you know, traditionally, I believe. But if you want to see our image different, whether it's in books, film, theater, then you've got to make it different. Mm -hmm. And even when someone comes at you to acquire it, license it or whatever, you have to stand by how you want those characters shown. Exactly. And that's something that I think we give up, you know, sometimes because we're so excited and we don't read the contracts carefully. <laughs> ah, yes, definitely. Definitely. So, you know, in your experience, since a lot of things are going on and changing, you know, uh, often though the world is constantly changing. In your experience, how has the internet changed this landscape for self-published writers? It makes it easier for you to get your work out. I believe that readers fall in love with the writer before they fall in love with the works. The way you present yourself on the internet, on the platforms, will dictate on whether you have a following, and the following will equate to possible readers. But I don't think that should be the only medium that you use to get your work out. Mm -hmm. Prisons. I was shocked to find that my book was being passed around Rollway State Prison several years ago, and it's a cult phenomenon there. Somebody bought one book in, and it was a wrap. Bookstores throughout the country, there aren't that many black bookstores le left, but, you know, 
I will give them five or ten books. I say if they move, we'll, we'll, you can pay me. If not, <laughs> they're flourishing. And just showing your face, they want to see you. They want to see who wrote this book and why. But they want to see who you are as a person. So when I would show up on social media years ago, it wouldn't be to, to say, buy my book. It would be because, oh, it's raining outside. My feet hurt. How y'all feel? Mm. I saw a homeless man yesterday, and I tell him my experience. One time I told him the experience of how I went to the cemetery at night based on research that I was doing for one of the books. That really got him. They said, oh, my God, you're stupid. You don't go to the cemetery at night. And somebody said, Carolyn, that was the spirit you were talking to. You get them wild. You get them riled up. You get them engaged just with your daily truth. They'll buy anything from you then with, because they like you, because you're like them. So I love the Internet. <laughs> I just haven't had time the to internet. change lately. Mm -hmm. The internet is a double-edged sword, you know, because what's happening now with this um, rebirth of AI, because AI has been around a while, the rebirth of AI is they comb and they steal, and it's it's the new frontier, if you will, of, of European theft of intellectual property. If you're big, then you might get a kickback, you know, in terms of a settlement. If you're small, they've combed your site anyway and used your work anyway. And as a writer, you put your work up, whether it's a blog or information. And it's, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon because sometimes, depending on what platform you're on and what you're using, they may say they own your work. Mm. Mm. So it's an interesting phenomenon. Technology has allowed more folks to publish independently and I think that's a great thing because I don't know about the other groups but for for black folks it's great because you won't be controlled exactly by the major houses so it allows us to say what we want to say and get our work out because of technology which isn't exactly the internet but part of it relates to the internet. So I think it's a love-hate thing. Um, we want to use the internet the way we want to, but the powers that be continue to want to use it to spy on you, to make you into a commodity, to use you, misuse you, not compensate you, but still we rise. Exactly. We rise. And I we'll saw, what we'll be. I saw a... Uh, post that Tia put up on the Black Writers Collective about a woman, a white writer who was just on the verge of getting a contract with a big traditional publishing house who would go on the internet and give black authors one-star ratings. I think she was doing it on Goodreads, and this is recently. Mm -hmm. Goodreads was following her even though she was doing it under different titles. And now she no longer has a contract. Yeah. And or a uh, public, um, 
my um, literary agent because the literary agent. Oh, you heard about that too, Nikita? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read that article. Yeah. Yeah. It was I. I'm on uh I'm on the writer's Twitter. <laughs> That's why I my writer my Twitter is so uh different because everybody when I first got on Twitter I would just follow writers so mm -hmm. I get all the writer gossip. <laughs> you know you get like TMZ and everything. Yeah, I get yeah. writers gossip. <laughs> so there's like all Goodreads was just all over my writing Twitter. I'm like what's going on with Goodreads and just just understanding what this woman was doing. And she was. But I know she isn't alone. She got caught. Yeah. They had screenshots and, mm -hmm. and someone was keeping, keeping track of what she was doing. And, and then the apology, the, that was the part that I didn't appreciate because it's like, if you're going to apologize, don't blame it on mental illness. Don't blame it on all of these other things. No. Call a thing, a thing. Yes. Stand and I was like, and mental illness does not make you racist. <laughs> and you were doing this before you even were talking about mental illness diagnosis or whatever her drug of choice or whatnot. <laughs> that, that she was, uh, you know, using that as a kind of a scapegoat to what she actually did. And, and it's like, well, you know, that's just the one person that got caught. But that just kind of goes to show how the, the lengths that people will go to just to pull you back down you know and then it's it's very unfortunate that 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 happens that way you know but um speaking of that um one of my questions was really what are the challenges that we face as black writers in today's publishing industry because there's so many of us the same tools that we used to get our work out are the same tools that could damn us, okay? There are so many writers. Everybody is trying to write, and everybody is not being seen. It's at a point where people are inured to our posts, our, our books, our, our advertising, our marketing. We're glutting the market, so to speak, so... What can you do that is unique and different that's going to make you stand out? That's the problem. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, I think technology is the biggest challenge right now. I love software and stuff like that. I don't mean our individual software on our, on our individual devices, but the... AI that's being used, um, or the programs on top of AI, I should say, that are being used to write content. I believe that's what a big part of the script writers, Writers Guild of, of America, were um, protesting when they did this strike. Mm -hmm. It's because of AI. And actually, the actors as well yeah. because it's you know there's the writing component software but then there's also the the uh, digitalization of images yeah. there are a number of black models that you're seeing all these you know black models and not only are are they not real but they're not created by black people so i think I technology can that. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah 
technology is a huge challenge because particularly like film but not exclusively you know they feel they have a formula and you know how many times can you do a comic strip or whatever that they want to make it into a series and they have a formula and they feel that just feed it into the the software through AI and spit it out that they don't need the creativity of an individual and it will, it's not just about us and making money and, and that but it will actually dumb down the entire population what do they expect humans to do as an accountant they expect AI to replace me right so who's buying things if you are not earning a living how are you buying anything so I think that the challenges of a writer is the challenges of us as humans and society at large. That would be my my take on it. Yeah, it, it's a it is a a tangled web that we have wo- woven ourselves into, or society has put us in. <laughs> and I'm just you know trying to stay stay afloat, but it, it's it's rough out here. Um, and just as you know, I think about that even as. As editors, I, I did a um, I did an episode a few months back that talked about you know Chat GPT and how it's affecting editing and and then you know AI and, and just every and so many elements. Like you said, if everything is going to be AI or computerized, where are people going to work and what are they going to do? Mm. And how are they going to make money to spend money to keep these people who are rich rich? staying rich (laughs) and right now they're putting a lot of money into ai so that's that's the other thing they're putting lots of money into ai when it comes to stock and everything else it's just it's so bad for the young people those that are coming behind me i've got one foot out of the workforce where i'll be at home and hopefully writing books and and enjoying myself but you're still young jc you're still young you're in the midst of it who knows what changes are going to be affected in five years from now? It's going to be crazy. It's going to be interesting. Right? I don't know if if, uh, if I'm considered young in my 60s. Anybody younger than me is young. <laughs> <laughs> You're young, sweetheart. Just young. That's a true Caribbean person. That's right. That's a true Caribbean person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um... I, I I could talk to you ladies all evening, but I want I want to uh, make sure I I honor your time and your space because we went over a little bit. But as a last final kind of thought, what advice would you give to other aspiring writers who are just either considering self publishing or just considering starting to just go down that path of writing? What would you? I say write. Hmm. Writers write. We write badly, then we clean it up. But you got to put something on the page in order to get started. You got to start. Once you start, you're halfway there. I know that's simplistic, but writers have to write. I would say don't be afraid to use reference books, but don't be bound by them. Too often, I think we are trying to tell a story 
in a way that we've heard. We, we're all here raised in the Eurocentric model of story. So sometimes if, you know, accustomed to hearing stories in a particular way, a good way, but don't be bound by that. Mm. So long as the story is satisfying, so long as someone keeps reading or keeps watching, you're telling a good story. Agreed. Okay. Tell a story. Don't let you in a box so that you're telling a story their way and that if you don't do it in a particular way that they somehow devalue it you tell your story yes don't be formulaic all right all right yeah. don't do it don't do it don't be formulaic okay. don't be formulaic okay it might be a good story might but but i know if i know how it's going to end halfway through the book i read it but yeah it won't excite me Exactly. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that I try to I try to switch up my writing a little bit, just a little bit here and there. Just <laughs> oh, we don't know how your stories are going to end. That's why I like them. <laughs> I like the man next door, the girl next door, but you never know how they're going to end, and I find that extremely exciting yeah. and satisfying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, I just want to thank you, Carolyn and JC, for joining us today. You guys have been an inspiration. And I've been so excited to just have you on this platform. Every time I meet with you guys, I'm always inspired. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta have these, I gotta have these beautiful women on my platform because they're just amazing and exciting. And um, you guys continue to encourage and inspire me. So thank you. Oh, thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and if, this has been so much you. fun. Yes, yes, yes. yes, it has. If listeners want to get more information about you, where can they go? If you want that healthy. They can go to my website. All the information they need is at www.carolynhollandwrites.com. Right. There you go. And mine is jcmore.net okay. or jcmore.com. Okay. Either one. There you go. All right. So you heard it from the, the source themselves. And I just want to thanks. Thank you all for joining. Um, thanks to the listeners for listening. And remember to tune in often. I, I used to give a date and a time, but, you know, life has been getting in the way. So <laughs> just just mm -hmm. subscribe and follow so that you will not miss a new episode when it drops. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to leave a, a message. It helps the podcast, helps the reviews, and lets other people know how to see it. And if you haven't done so already, um, make sure you uh, check out the website. It's www.lgitwpodcast.com. Remember to subscribe. And if you know of persons or people that would be great guests, drop a comment on the, uh, on the website, and I'll get back to you. Um, until we meet again, I'm your host, Nikki C. And remember, it's time to get back to dreaming again. If not now, then when? Oh, God. Let me see. I got to. We did it.